You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to episode 250 of Around the Lens, the last episode of Around the Lens. Yes, that's right. This is the last episode of ATL. After five years and 250 episodes, I've decided to end the show. I'll go into my reasoning for that decision and where I see the future of the ATL platform in a moment. But first, let me introduce our panel this week. Now, I did plan for a few other co-hosts to show up. Maybe they'll appear here later in the show. So I'm going to read what I would have read, what I would have said if they were here, just because I think it deserves to be noted um, because of their contributions to the show over the, the course of time that you know they've been with us. So, you know, of course, the first person I would have introduced uh, would have been, you know, Zach Roberts. Okay, so he's uh, been with the show since the beginning, you know, very first episode of the show, and more than a co-host, I see him as a co-founder. And so, you know, he was someone who, you know, I couldn't have done the show with really uh, without his support. So I just want to thank Zach for for being, um, you know, an invaluable resource to us. You know, of course, uh, he's probably in Georgia or Wisconsin or Florida, who knows, he's, he's uh, traveling all over the, uh, these United States trying to cover the election process and the, the whole you know, new world we're living in. So good luck to Zach out there. If you do jump on later, we'll be happy to have you on the show. If not, you know, it's been an honor and pleasure working with you, buddy. Um, so wish you the best of luck out there. Um, next person, of course, I want to, to highlight, you know, this is my second co-host. Uh, joining us from the unusually noisy Hawaii is Mr. Ron Hamilton, an Eagle News broadcaster. Hello, Ron. How are you? Um, sad, Dave. I'm really sad. You're sad? Oh. Yeah, Donald Trump was not reelected, and we had to shut down the show. So, it's sad. Yeah, you know, there's still a lot of court cases out there, and there's still a lot of votes that haven't been counted. So, who knows? Who knows? It could go either way. You know, there's just... A lot of variability there. So uh, we'll see. If he is reelected, so though. There's still hope. If he is reelected, though, of course, uh, we'll renew the show and get back on the air. It's, you're right. It's absolutely contingent on him being a part of the presidency. No. Uh, but no, Ron has been a great asset to the show. And he was the first person who actually sought out an opportunity to be on the show versus me trying to st- find a guest. Like I think it was Instagram. I think, or one of the social media platforms, you actually pinged me and said, hey, uh, I want to be on your show or something like that. Or this is just an excuse to get <laughs> your attention so I can be on your show. Uh, so after you- I was you, making fun of you, actually. You're making you fun said, of me. Uh, Congratulations, everyone. We have 1,000 Instagram followers. And I yeah. said, that's because you, have, you, you are following 5,000 people. <laughs> the law of averages were in your favor. Anyway, I'm only following you because I want to be on the show. Yeah. And you said, oh, okay, sure. Come on, buddy. There you go. That's and all here you Here we do. are today. Yep. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, you know, that was sort of a technique, if you're not uh, social media savvy, to uh, help grow your follower base. You follow a bunch of people. Um, I've since stopped doing that, but it was a technique I tried at the beginning. Actually, yeah, so I've unfollowed pretty much everyone who doesn't have an association with this show. So unless you're a guest or someone I want to be on as a guest, you're not an Instagram, uh, someone I follow. Sorry. Sorry, random uh, spam bot accounts from Russia. I I won't follow you now. 
Um, anyways, after his first appearance, um, you were able to fill in a couple times on short notice as a, a guest or co-host. So, you know, when, when somebody dropped out at the last minute, you were there. And because of that and your willingness to help me out, I think you made an optimal co-host. Um, so, uh, you know, you've been an intrinsic support to the show. And especially from behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know that Ron is constantly feeding me ideas for show topics. And in fact, for a time, I let him pick all the show topics. Uh, so, you know, what, you were, what we were talking about was partially uh, built on Ron's um, suggestions. So thanks for those, Ron. Uh, also, I think Ron's wry sense of humor and sometimes cringe-worthy jokes and comments have given the show a sense of comic relief and a countervailing opinion from which we could argue against. I can always count on you, Ron, to be the devil's advocate. So I'm just the devil, not the advocate. Oh, okay, great. Uh, now I would have introduced Travis Keys at this point. Is there anybody else? No, he didn't drop it. Okay, so Travis, you know, is a freelance photographer based out of New York and also the chairman of APA New York. He also does his own uh, show called Open Talk. So. You know, after this one, you can go check that out. He does that weekly, and he's still doing it from what I know. So support his show. Uh, Travis, you know, has been a driving force in helping to raise the overall technical quality of the show. I'll be honest, I sometimes lack or slack on aspects of the show that I've decided not to prioritize, such as video quality, social media presence, or some of the graphic elements. But when Travis came on, he was quick to point out ways to improve and areas that needed more attention. If you've watched the series over time, even if you've just popped in from time to time to see if there have been any upgrades to the show, know that those upgrades were his, partially his uh, support and result. You know, he really pushed me to kind of increase the technical quality of the show. So I thank you for that, Travis, if you're listening, or uh, for you're able to jump in and of course address that. I've always strove for a high audio quality as this show started out as an audio only podcast and its core is primarily focused on audio. But Travis made me realize that if I was going to have a video component to the show, there needed to be a greater emphasis on the way we presented that show visually. And I need to stop yawning on camera. That's one of my, my biggest uh, crutches there is, you know, again, doing the show at night after a full day's work and taking care of two kids isn't easy. Uh, which is why I'm doing the show in the morning where I'm awake and I'm bright and I'm ready to go. Beyond that, Travis has been one of the most consistent co-hosts I've had in the past few years and has been instrumental in ensuring I've had someone to converse with during my time away from the States in my new time zone. As some of you may know, I live in Korea, so doing this show from here to back in the States can sometimes be difficult, you know, especially with time zone differences and whatnot. So glad to have had Travis uh, be there for us. Of course, I say all that, and he's not even here. So, what's what? What does that? What does that mean? Me. Anyways, uh, finally joining us from Washington D.C. and the newest voice of Around the Lens, freelance photojournalist Evelyn Hochstein. Hey, Evelyn. Hey, everybody. How's everything going in your world? Everything. Wow, it's good. Yeah, it's been such a yes, a great relief. Everything is good. It's been fun in D.C. A lot of celebrations. So. Yeah. Things are good, but I am sad that this is our yeah. last episode, Dave. It is indeed a sad time, but also bittersweet because, you know, I think there's going to be some new opportunities and we'll talk about those in the future in, or we'll talk about those later in the show in terms of what the future holds. But, you know, the sad for this show, but not the end of the Around the Lens platform and content with all of us doing cool stuff. Um, 
but uh, has has things sort of, I mean, obviously we've got the celebrations and whatnot, but is there a sort of quietness now or is it just the, I would say the, 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 the quiet before the storm, so to speak? I mean, it could be the quiet before the storm for sure. I mean, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Obviously, the president has not conceded and he fired Esper and apparently he's like in a rage playing golf. So, you know, who knows? This isn't over, but I think people in a blue place like Washington, D.C. feel a tremendous sense of relief. There was a lot of anxiety building up to the election. It took days and days. Everybody was like hanging around outside the White House, like waiting for the announcement. And then finally it happened on Saturday and it was just thousands of people flooded the streets. And, you know, in many major metropolitan cities, we saw that. Um, I don't know what the mood is like in non-blue states. Um, I'm probably going to go do a story like that tomorrow or the next day. I can report back somewhere on some on some way I won't be able to report back next week but on this on this format but you know here things are very um, calm quiet happy and everybody's just watching I think and cautiously very optimistic great great well Evelyn joined us at the start of the fourth season and she helped bring a level of diversity we were honestly lacking uh, how many times do we joke about the fact that the show featured mostly three to five white guys talking about the industry, right? It's definitely the bro show. So I was and, happy to, to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, Evelyn brought a unique perspective to our discussion on new topics and, of course, news and, of course, gear. And which, by the way, Evelyn, before we let you go here, I, I need to know, you know, obviously we've made a major I decision. Did you did it? I bought it. Don't, I bought don't, it. Okay, hold on, hold on to that. Don't reveal it yet. Um, but again, you know, obviously, beyond just obviously bringing perspectives that relate, you know, because of her gender, you also have a vast level of experience in the photojournalism industry. You're an award-winning photojournalist in your own right. You've worked in more than 70 countries, covering a wide swath of significant events and topics. You know, you being a woman and being able to break up the boys' club was just a bonus on top of her remarkable experience contributions to the field. We've been lucky to have you be a part of the program and I'm so forward to looking to what other things you can do uh, for the, the platform in the future. So you know, again your contributions don't end here and now. I think people are going to be hearing a lot from Evelyn Hochstein with Around the Lens in the future. At least I'm hopes, hopeful. Yeah. So, so again glad to have you part of the show. Thanks for including me. It's been Absolutely. Great. We're going to right. keep doing it. We'll keep it up. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. So again, obviously our country made an important decision this past week, but I think the bigger and more important decision is what camera system you decided to adopt within the mirrorless world. Obviously, you know, if Travis were here, and I, you know, we could, we could talk Sony and Canon all day and you know, have our little arguments, but again, <coughs> you know, which is it gonna be? I bought the R5. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Canon user and it just felt like the easier transition, frankly. Right. It's just, I could just jump into it. Um, I hope one day, Canon, if you're listening, that you offer a professional discount like other manufacturer, other people in this industry. Um, yeah. It was hard, I think. Um, I think I could have gotten a better deal if I'd gone maybe the Sony route, but for me, the R5 seemed to make sense. So it'll all be shooting, I guess, with one R5 and one of my 5D Mark IVs. So I only bought the 2470 is what I bought and the body okay. for now. So the 2470 RF lens. 
broke. I'm like broke now. So yeah, yeah that no, was absolutely. A lot. Travis and I are very disappointed in you. I just want to. I love this. Out. I mean, honestly, Jamie, I I've been like going back and forth. I loved the Sony. The Sony was awesome. I love the A9. I mean, I really did. I just felt like. It just seemed like initially this would be easier. I could buy less. Well, I mean, I could have used my lenses with the Sony too, but it just was natural. I picked up the R5 and I didn't have to, it was easy, but oh, I know it was tough. I'm, I'm, I hope okay. I made the right decision. I, I mean, do. You're just like, you're like minus two in the cool points. And I, not, <laughs> you have bottomed out. It's just, you've, you've gone down a little in my estimation. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it, I, I, I really struggled. I mean, this has been a months long decision and not even, I mean, I think I would have been happy honestly with both, but right. in the end of the day, it just felt like hmm, I could just put this in my hand and go. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, you've got a, a bounty of riches, right? You've got the best of both worlds you can choose from, you know, we've, we've never been in an era that has had so much great availability to us of technology and camera gear. So you could have gone wrong either way and ultimately has to, you know, go down to what you're comfortable with using. Right. And so if Canon's your comfort level, then go with Canon. So good for you. Yeah. Now is your intent now do you have the converter for your older lenses? Are you going to use that for now? Or are you gonna um, yes. I have one. Yeah, I do. I didn't buy one because I have, I had, I'd use the, um, I had, to, I'd had to buy one to use the R I think for right, an assignment okay. where I did silence. So I do, yeah. I have one already. So yes, I'll use that. But I kind of just thought I'll use the 2470 on the, on that body and just keep my 7200 on the other, but rather than, but the, the, the adapter works great. I didn't have like a big problem, you know, didn't take anything away when I used it. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. And uh, look forward to hearing about, you know, at some point, in some manner, how your experience is with it going forward. If nothing else, we'll look out for your imagery. All right. All right. Well, let's get into our guest this week. Uh, joining us from the great state of Idaho, freelance photojournalist and <coughs> podcaster extraordinaire. And it wouldn't be an anniversary episode without him. Mr. Mike Sharky James. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Well, since Zach and Travis aren't here, Baba Booey to you all. Indeed, indeed. Of course, we've always been looking out for that Baba Booey almost consistently. <laughs> you're on every single episode, you're like doing the Baba Booey. So it's, it's nice to see that. It's comforting. Um, everything going good for you in Idaho? Everything's going great. Uh, of course, they're losing their minds here in Idaho because we're a super red state. Yeah. And, uh, but the Boise area is pretty, it's pretty well mixed. So it's about 40% or so, you know. Biden camp and the rest is all Trump. So it's not too bad. You know, it's a college town. Yeah, absolutely. So have there been a lot of sad faces as you've, as you've gone about and drove around, went from one place to another, or has it been? <laughs> People look like they lost their puppy here. Oh, but that's okay. They're, they're going to find uh, their puppy will be in prison soon. All right. Well, thanks for coming back, Sharky. Maybe we can get that one last Sharky bump from your appearance. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Joining us from Redmond, Oregon, an international photojournalist and Memento workshop instructor. And honestly, I think the heart of this show, Miss Jamie Rose. Hello, Jamie. How are you? Hi. Well, I, uh, I'm really glad to be here. I think I was on like one of the very first episodes. So I was oh, yeah. thankful to be invited back. And, yeah. um, and it's, it's nice to see all of you guys. Yeah, you as well. Everything going good there in Oregon? Yeah, we, um, we're just starting our, our cold snap into winter, which 
for Oregon is like, you know, a great thing. People move here because of our gorgeous fall and winter sports. And, and the weed. Sure. Yeah. And we have mushrooms now too. So come on over <laughs> if y'all want to get high. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's, that's a ringing endorsement right there. Um, Jamie, I know you, obviously the Momento workshops is pretty contingent on people getting together. How has COVID affected your business and uh, have you seen it kind of come back sort of as things have changed or gotten better? Uh, we definitely have pivoted quite a bit to online content. Um, so starting this week, we'll have signups for the winter mentoring programs that we're going to be offering. So there'll be one month sprints where people can come in and just do like really intense punctuated business and career development mentoring programs because I think, you know, our, our logic was that everybody's going to need to kind of shift their business, whether you're in the teaching industry as we are, or, you know, the client relationships that everyone's having right now has to change. And so a lot of the focus of the mentoring programs are going to be on like, what can we get done in a month to really bring some of that business revenue back up and get people ready to go. So that's been, it's been new and interesting. Um, we, we definitely have teaching in this environment is, it's a bit strange. Um, it's hard. I mean, as like Evelyn knows, or anyone who's been on a moment to workshop with me, like, I don't sit still very well. So like sitting still in front of a computer is difficult, <laughs> let alone like having to teach an entire thing. But, um, right. But it's, it's been pretty great. We're, we're really excited about the, the new opportunities that are coming up. And then in 2021, we're going to start hybrid workshops. So it'll oh, be the great. first time that we've ever done the ability for people to come and participate virtually. So if you don't want to go to New Orleans in person, you know, by April of next year, although I don't think that's going to be an issue based on this morning's news. So, right, right. <laughs> um, so we're pretty excited about that. But I, I think a lot of people are really ready to travel. And the nice thing oh, yeah. is that we have our 2020 lineup, uh, 21 lineup all ready to go. So yeah. we're like, we're ready. We're, we're ready to travel as soon as, you know, it's safe. And we have a lot of new protocols put in place. That's for sure. For, for that's right. Person. That's right. Just like in our show, we're all six feet apart, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Continents. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we were trendsetters in that regard. So, you know, again, <laughs> from the very first show, it's always been, you know, socially distanced. I, I should actually institute a mask policy. If you all could just put on your masks for this, I would appreciate it. Just, just to be extra safe. There you go. All right. Well, Jamie has always had a way to bring us together and make this show feel like a family. So in a sense, I feel this is like a family reunion. So anyways, well, welcome back to it, Jamie. All right, finally, the globe-trotting photojournalist who will happily take you to all the best spots in Cuba and was most recently, uh, most recently published a book highlighting the heroics of our frontline nurses during the COVID-19 pandemic, Mr. Bruce Byers. Hello, Bruce. Hey, how you doing? And just two minutes before you came on, my, my computer crashed, so <laughs> oh, well, that's grab, out the, the course. grab out the other one, but uh, yeah. Oh, I can remember joining you way back when in the beginning, and uh, yeah. it was a really nice uh, uh, show to, to, to be uh, associated with, and thanks for letting me come back on, and it's great to sign you off here on this one. And uh, you, 
we're just uh, here in New York and lots of people coming. There's no more ghosts in New York. They all disappeared. They're all people now. Oh, that's good. You got the ghosts out of there. Yeah. yeah. Got the Ghostbusters. Well, they got, they got the uh, Disney characters back in Times Square, so oh. I figured something's happening. Well, you know if the Disney characters are back, then things have returned to normal. That's, that's the, the key litmus for normalcy in New York City is the off-brand uh, characters you know, who will gladly shiv you if you don't pay them for their photograph. Yeah. Anyways, always great to have you, Bruce. All right, well, let's get on with the show. We got a lot to talk about today. So what I like to do on these anniversary episodes is start with a little state of the show. And I want to go into kind of my reasoning for ending it. So I've got a couple bullet points here. And, you know, if you guys, you know, we can talk about these a little bit. Um, but uh, first and foremost, you know, those the time investment, you know, uh, besides obviously doing the show, this, this hour here that we get together and talk, which is fun. I've always enjoyed it. You know, it's the great best part of the show. But it's the smallest part in terms of the time investment required. So obviously, there's a lot of things that have to go on before and after the show. And then there's almost a near constant thinking about the show. So when I'm not on the show or doing it or editing, I'm thinking about ways to you know, put on content or you know, stories to talk about and whatnot. So it's almost like a part-time job. You know, it requires probably about 10 to 20 hours a week of my time. And when you know, I'm a full-time father, two kids, you know, I've got two to three hours a night of free time, if I'm lucky, if I'm not too tired. So it's just kind of like all that free time is just kind of gone into, you know, not only creating the show, but also the additional content, such as the reviews, news, interviews, and whatnot. So, you know, it's just, again, it's a lot of time to put into a show. And ultimately, I would be fine putting the the time into it, but there was just a lack of growth. So that was the other issue is that, you know, over time, I've seen the audience and the views and all the different, you know, I could go over the numbers, but I'm not going to bore you with those. But essentially what I've seen is a stagnation and a decline over time. And when you're doing a show like this, if there isn't increased growth over time, or you're not getting to a point where, you know, like with Sharky's show, you know, he could get to a point where he could selling, you know, audiences, um, ads and whatnot. You know, if you're not getting to that point, it's kind of like, okay what is this worth for the audience and the people doing it? You know, if people aren't engaging with the content or aren't listening to it, or there isn't a you know, growth there, then it's, it's difficult to justify the amount of time expended to kind of put into the show. Um, so, you know, what I'm trying to do here with, you know, going forward, we'll talk about the future is, you know, trying to find content people actually want to watch. And ultimately the only number that was going up consistently with our shows was the episode count. So, Again, I had to make a decision there in terms of what did I want to do, what I want to gain from doing a show like this. And you know, I'm not saying that potentially this show won't come back in the future. Who knows? Maybe I'll just take a year hiatus and get itching and want to come back and do this again. But this show specifically, but as of right now, I need to find another outlet for you know, what kind of content I want to create. And so if this show isn't it, even though we're all having fun, I don't think I've ever had it. Maybe once or twice I've had a guest who didn't have a great time, but for the most part, I think we've all had fun uh, doing this show, but again, if the audience isn't there, even though the folks, you know, again, if you've listened to or watched the show consistently over the years, I know there's a few of you. Thank you so much for that time and energy and, and effort, especially those who've been giving on our Patreon. I'm extremely thankful for you and what you've done to help uh, progress and you know, support the show. But again, there has to be a point where I say like, okay, either this isn't you know going to go anywhere or, you know, we got to try something else. 
Um, the other uh, issue I had doing the show, and this is mostly my fault, you know, it was some technical issues, you know, for, for the most part, not a week went by. We didn't have something go wrong. And, you know, when you do a live show like we did, that's kind of going to come par with the course. You know, there's just, it's tough to manage when things aren't are live and, you know, you're just going to have mistakes come into it. And also technology and all the other things, the internet. So going forward, any content we produce won't be live for that reason. Now, at the core of the show, I want to ensure you that, you know, one of the core things I've focused on with regard to technical capabilities is audio quality. So even when you watch the show, you know, even though we're mostly talking heads, audio quality has to be priority. Now, the other issue or other thing I thought about with regard to why in the show or what's, what's the reason perhaps why the show isn't growing was the basic premise, right? So, you know, my basic premise with regard to starting the show was that anyone can talk about anything. If you're a visual journalist in this career field, it shouldn't matter. As long as it's generally related, we should be able to talk about it. And I felt that, you know, identity or show identity was probably something that was something I struggled with, with regard to trying to get it consistent, right? So some weeks it was like a news discussion show. Some weeks it's like a panel discussion show. Some weeks it's like an interview show. And so I think some people appreciate that variety, but I think there are others perhaps who are looking for something more consistent or perhaps can get a little bit more utility out of the show. Like for instance, Sharky, what I love about your show is the fact that it's it's a great, highly focused, condensed 30 minutes or so of news content. You know, I can get in and get out, I get the news I need and go about my day. And so that's that's why I think your show was, you know, is, was and still is successful and you know probably people were drawn to it so what i'm going for and we'll talk about you know the future of the show is consistency and utility um so consistency and technical quality and utility and in, in something being that you know is useful to the end user the listener all right so future of the show so let's talk about what i plan to do with the show going forward so i'm going to break things up a little bit um, i've got a couple shows that i'm working on right now with some of the other co-hosts um, right now, working on a new specific show. This will be me and one other co-host uh, talking about, you know, the news. So, you know, again, trying to create a what happened in the week's news and kind of condense that down to a nice tight or so 30 minutes of edited content um, that, you know, provides the listener with some utility about the world and, and news of, of visual journalism and photography and filmmaking and all that good stuff. Um, basically, I want you to be fully informed about things that are going on in the world, and I'm primarily and initially going to be working with Travis on this concept, and hopefully we'll have a pilot out in December with weekly episodes starting in the new year. But there will all be a, a, an opportunity for rotating co-hosts. So, you know, perhaps uh, Travis can't make it and Evelyn, you'll be on, or Ron, you can be on, or maybe I can't make it and it'll be Travis and someone else, like Zach or something like that. So that's that's kind of like my, my vision for that show. And it's, again, it's going to be a condensed summary of the week's news with uh, some commentary by the people who are on talking about it. And next, the other show I'm uh, working on right now with Evelyn actually is a panel discussion show with a diversity focus. So as we've mentioned before, you know, again, it's, it's pretty easy to get a group of four guys, white guys together to talk about the world of visual journalism. That's not hard, but I think there's a, a diversity of voices out there in the world of photojournalism. And so I'm going to be working with Evelyn to help get those voices to be heard on a, a monthly at least basis with a focused topic panel. So again, we'll see how that goes. Looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully you'll see something here in December or in the new year. So again, excited to try that out. 
And then another work, work uh, working with another show with JM, going to be like a photo book discussion show. We're still kind of working out the details, but again, I'm excited about that. And finally, we've always had interviews on the show, or we've always done interviews as part of Around the Lens, but they've been few and far between. So I'm looking forward to making interviews a more regular part of the platform as we focus on at least one interview a month. Again, all these new shows are a way to shift the focus of Around the Lens from just a podcast about visual journalism into more of a platform for all aspects of photojournalism, photography, videography, and filmmaking. If you have an idea for a program you think would work well for the platform, let me know and I will help you produce it and we can make it a reality. So that goes uh, to any of you or anybody listening or any co-host who's been on the show, happy to work with you and see what we can do to help expand the platform. All right, any thoughts about anything I said, panel, before we move on to the week's news? All well, sounds good. Looking forward to the new shows. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's like I say on the one hand, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm devoting so much time and energy to this show. And then I'm on the other hand, I'm saying, oh, here's four or five new shows I'm working on. Like, Dave, uh, aren't you being a little bit uh, hypocritical there? And the thing of it is, it's like, there's, you know, I mean, like, Sharky, you and I have talked about this, right? You know, it's like, when you're working on a new show, I think there's an excitement level there. And that's what I'm getting at with, with regards to the new shows. There's excitement that is kind of promoting me to kind of, you know, pushing me to, to work on them and devote the time and energy. It's like, so, you know, that's kind of like my take on it. I don't think you're Absolutely. throwing your brand you gotta away. You got to keep it fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't it, think you're throwing your brand away. I think you're just expanding on it. So it's okay to, to do a show for a year and then change it up and, keep going you know yeah why not things change every other minute so why right. not shows right i mean so it's all about finding an audience you know and, and finding you know right thing that audiences want to engage in so you know if that doesn't work if all these different separate projects are complete failures i can always go back to this i think this is you know at the, at the very minimum i enjoy doing this um and i enjoy bringing you all together to talk about stuff so um, yeah i'm excited for what the future could bring all right. Well, anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about some stuff that came out. And of course, I uh, love talking about gear on here. So uh, I want to talk a little about Canon. And since we have a new Canon user, a new Canon R5 user, I should say, uh, I'm sure she'll have some thoughts about this. But Canon just recently announced the their new Nifty 50. It's a 50 millimeter f1.8, $200 lens. And of course, this isn't you know your super duper pro type lens. You know, of course, if you want to spend twenty seven hundred dollars or something like that, you can get their fifty millimeter f one point two, I think. Um, I, but uh, yeah, this is two hundred dollars. So, and it's the from what I've seen of the reviews, the quality is is right up there in terms of it being a high quality lens. Uh, they've also released a seventy four hundred r f four rf lens. So, if you're interested in getting into that um, that zoom range and you don't want to spend the I think twenty six hundred dollars. For the f 2.8 lens you can now get one for about sixteen hundred dollars so you're going to save a thousand dollars and you lose one stop of uh, light there but uh, let's talk about these lenses uh we'll throw it over to you first evelyn since you've got the new r5 any consideration for either of these two lenses or any other lenses in the rf series or what, what's your next lens so to speak if, if neither of these are in your sights i mean i think the next rf lens i'll buy is a 7200 but um i was definitely 2.8 really variant right yeah but I was very intrigued by the 50 because the price point is excellent. Everything's super expensive. I'm not really a 50 millimeter shooter. Um, it's not my lens. A ton of photographers I know shoot with a 50 prime. Um, you know, they love it. And 
for me, 1.8 seemed great. Um, so I guess it's like in the old Canon lineup, there was always that like cheap plastic 50 that was like a 1.8 or something. And then there was like the really big expensive heavy metal right. mm-hmm. one. So this is intriguing to me if it's fast, if it's sharp, it looks tiny, which is nice. Like if you want to just carry your R5 around and, and actually like benefit from the the lightness of it rather than you know having that big 2470 on it and like go on vacation and just lighten your load um it could be good i, I so i'm intrigued i but i don't think it's out yet and i don't know anybody who's tried it so i want to kind of wait and hear what people say yeah no i mean you can I pre-order like it but the only people i've seen who have it are the influencers on social media yeah so I, but i love it i mean it's great everything's so expensive with that camera so yeah if it's I mean, notice Canon with Canon's lenses, they're going smaller. Like their mm-hmm. seventy to two hundred yeah. seems to, the two eight is tiny. No, and a lot of you know, it's not it, it compared compared to what the 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 regular one is. It's tiny compared to you know, it, they've gotten smaller with their yeah. lenses. And this seventy to two hundred f four is it looks more like a twenty four to seventy f four. Sorry, yeah, I was thinking the two eight. Yeah, the f four. Yeah, but the two eight is a lot smaller than the regular two eight. A little smaller. <laughs> it's it's shorter, like, it, it, isn't it? It seems smaller. like it seems like it's a lot smaller, right? No, isn't that the lens I'm thinking of? Dave? Yeah, but it's, it, like if you zoom it out, it's I, I didn't love it. I mean, the design. It oh, see, so that's the thing. It like zooms out, and then okay. it gets just as big as the other one. Right. But then that's well, that's true. More compact. Yeah. Yeah. These you are really like extending tube lenses. Yeah, that's what it's called. In that regard, find, I think like the Sony better. Do you find that you need a 2.8 and a longer lens when you're shooting? Mm-hmm, all the time. For what? For the light or? Light, yeah, definitely. Because I'm like a news photographer. I, I can't. I need a 2.8. Like if I'm in a press conference, I'm already oh, yeah. inside and, you know, I'm pushing it. To, you have to have it. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how, how good that mirrorless is with the... Uh, with the low light then it's very good with the low light but i still think if you can shoot a you know 2.8 is great for shooting a you know a press conference so i would basically shoot it at 2.8 anyway um so yeah it gives you the speed and you know if you don't have to bump up the iso too much um yeah yeah no i mean if they sold a f2 variant of the 7200 i'm sure you'd get that right well, you know, that's a good question. I mean, you then you, yes, I mean, I think if you're far back, you'll get enough depth of field, but sometimes it's like tricky, you know, so I don't right. know if I'd want it. The two would, be, yeah, I guess it would be good. Like the couple times I've shot in the White House and you're in that East Room and there's literally no light in there, the F2 would be good. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, I is the 24 to 70 a 2 or 2.8 variant? 2.8. They make a 28.70 F2 and it's like, humongous i i yeah. don't know anybody who uses that lens it's no ridiculous. yeah i heard also it has a lot of focus breathing or focus like it, it hunts for focus a little bit more than the 2.8 variant when i've uh, heard the 2.8 so, was super fast when i tried yeah. it i loved it yeah no that's great yeah you i mean have it, don't you? Do you have i have the 24 to 105 f4 so right. i might get the 7200 f4 at some point to complement that you know again if I was like you, if I was doing the photojournalism thing full time every day, I'd have the trinity of 2.8 lenses, you know, in my camera bag at all times. Or, you know, I don't know if you plan to get a second R5 body at some point. I don't know if you're a two camera shooter like that, but 
you know, that's, you'd have the 70, 7,200 and the 1635 and that'd be your kind of go-to, right? Yes, eventually, but I can't, the investment's too big right now. So I'll shoot, keep my like 5D Mark IV and the, and the one R5 for now. That's my plan. Yeah. Uh, how about you guys, other panelists? What were your thoughts on these two lenses? Any of uh, intrigue any of you? And if not, what, what are your thoughts on sort of, you know, lenses in general in terms of what are your favorite lenses? Well, I'm a, I'm a Canon shooter and I, I, I like the, uh, the, the uh, 24 to 70 and the 70 to 200, but I've never wanted to carry all that weight of the, of the 2.8 with, with the travel. You know, yeah. that second mile is <laughs> every mile gets a little bit heavier and heavier. Um, and uh, I've ended up using, I shoot fairly close anyway, so I've used my shorter lenses a lot more than my longer lenses. Um, right. But that that uh, the twenty four the seventy to two hundred is a tack sharp, beautiful, very fast lens. Very, oh, yeah. very fast. Um, I know Travis isn't here, but I <laughs> I put my Sony down to pick up my Canon because it, I just can't focus with that Sony like I can with the Canon. So oh, it's, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. even even in the oh. bright sun, I was doing a shooting a a protest, and I'm walking through the crowds, and I got my Canon out. I have my Canon in my bag and I was shooting with the Sony because I was shooting some video too. And I go, this thing ain't, and I grabbed my Canon and it was like, there was no problem. It was amazing. The difference. Which, which Sony body was it? I shoot with the one uh, DX and the, um, Mark three, but, um, and I just, the never... Sony, what was oh, the, the Sony, Sony the, uh, the, the seven R three. I don't see yeah, seven R three. Okay. Yeah, the focus on that should be pretty darn good. Yeah, but I always so I, I can was that, do Jamie? so much better with the Canon. I think the thing about Sony's that it takes everybody a little bit of getting used to is that it, it doesn't have especially if you're coming from a Canon or a rangefinder side of things, like it right. it's the first time in a while that I've actually read the manual to figure certain things out because there's so much functionality, especially with like the zone focusing that the Sony's have. Like it's so tack sharp sometimes in where it's trying to pinpoint, you know, the subject that you want to frame that, you know, I, I almost wish it had a little bit more loosey goosey zone screen. Cause I could just be like, I just want this whole area of the frame to be a focus instead of like this really fine point part of it. But I've, I mean, I've truly loved the switch this, this year. It's been incredible. The color is bananas. I think that's the other thing that I've really enjoyed about the lenses because I, the 3514 um, Sony lens, the prime is just gorgeous like it's so sharp and it's so it's it's just got gorgeous bokeh when you want it to and you know when you need that like deep depth of field it can just really bring out the background so well and um I haven't found I, I think probably because back in my photojournalism days I was so used to carrying like four thousand pounds of gear that everything was so heavy I think that even the heavier lenses like um we have the 70 uh, the sorry the um, the 35 zoom and the 35 prime and then we have the 24 to 70 and neither one of them feels heavy not like the like 
canon, you know, the, the 20, I mean, the 70 to 200 canon 2.8 was always a bear to <laughs> carry around. And then, you know, all of the other ones combined, it just gave this huge weight. And I think probably because the cameras are so light, I didn't even notice them. And we went on like a long hiking trip for Labor Day weekend and just having the lighter gear. I mean, it was incredible back for any of you guys who do a lot of outdoor photography, I mean, back when I would have like the Mark II or the Mark III, four, whatever, with that 24 to 70, and then like a 70 to 200 with another Mark II over there, you'd be hiking up a mountain. And if they were swinging, I mean, it literally could like topple you over with a backpack on and everything else. And this way, it was just like, oop, just gonna throw this thing on my shoulder and hike up to the top of this ridge. And, you know, if I needed it, I could just grab it really quickly. I just, I've, I've been really, been really impressed with it in the sense that it's kind of like a you know a little bit like a bmw in the sense like sure you can get in it and you can drive it it's fine but there's all this other like extra functionality that makes it so cool um so i don't know i'm a big fan but that's i don't know anything about the new cannons sorry guys <laughs> no worries no worries yeah i mean I, i'm intrigued by them and like i said they'll probably end up in my kit at some point in the future Definitely the 50 millimeter. I think that's probably going to be a impulse purchase probably uh, when that comes out. Um, but the, I'll wait on the 70 to 200. But yeah, I love the 7200 on my old Canon 5D Mark II. Uh, beautiful lens, indispensable. And the the equivalent that I used for the Panasonic was wonderful. You know, the f2.8 um, for the 35 to 100 cross micro four thirds users. But, you know, uh, switch, switch, switching to Fuji, Using the 50 to 140, uh, I do not enjoy it as much as I did the Canon uh, no. 70 to 200. Yeah. Sorry, Sharky. Listen, I'm a shill, right? No, <laughs> full disclosure, Fujifilm sponsors my show. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of my sponsors, but I love the gear. It's great, but I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, I mean, things, things are coming along, things are getting better. Firmware improves things as Fuji is really known for i mean they just added the functionality to to um the xt3 via firmware update to get the focusing you've got on the xt4 and it's wonderful that's so. great well, update and full, full disclosure sony sponsors um is our, our official camera sponsor for momenta so i will throw that out there but i think the thing that's really nice about this is back you know 20 years ago when i first started as a photojournalist there was canon and there was nikon and then there were amateur cameras. And now it's so nice to see, you know, the emergence of the Sony mirrorless system and the Fuji system. And there's a lot of variety out there that is making it so that it's not just this monopoly of these two camera companies. And if you want to turn your lens clockwise or counterclockwise when you put it back on, because those are really your only two options. And now we have all of this great functionality and and versatility. I mean, one of the reasons why we changed our official camera sponsor this year was because the Sony system was offering so much variety of what you can get with a single camera. I mean, you have a, this gorgeous video camera. I currently have it as a web camera. Like it's, there's just so much more that we're getting out of the camera systems these days that it's, it's really coming down to like, what's your comfort level? And, you know, if Bruce doesn't like the Sony's, you know, that's awesome that there's a Canon available to him. And I think the reason why 
you know, I appreciate of the Sony system is that they've got those great adapters. So if you really love your Canon or your Nikon or your Leica lenses, you can just buy that adapter and use it with their system if you still want to use their system. So I think that's well, and look what, probably the future. And look what Sony did. You know, they had their, you had your like task specific bodies, right? You've got the, you know, the, the A7R was the high resolution one. The A9 was kind of your sports photojournalism one. The A7 was your kind of, you know, get into the system, kind of do everything body. And now they've all kind of converged a lot. I mean, just look at the A7S line, for instance. So great in low light, but then you've got all the other bodies are great in low light too. So they've all kind of, <laughs> you can, if you wanted to, you could shoot sports with the A7R mark, whatever is out these days, but it wouldn't be your go-to, but you could do it. And then, so now you kind of pick the, the body, if you had to pick one that goes with what you shoot mostly, and you've got the other available options too. Whereas when the first versions came out, you know, it was kind of, you weren't, <laughs> I tried shooting sports with the, A7, the original A7S just to see if I could. And that was just not, that was a non-starter. <laughs> That's 6,000. Well, sure. You know, I could shoot, I shot sports all day long with that. And I, I shot the, the Utah um, high school football championships, two games with the A6000. I had my, D4S with me, my Nikon, and I didn't even take it out of the bag. If you know how to shoot and you've got the availability, but man, you start, you press the button on that A6000. It was like all 11 frames were full, you know, it wasn't, you didn't have the control like you do now, but every, all 11 frames were going down range. Yeah. Um, let me throw it out to the entire panel here. What would be the one lens you couldn't live without? If you had to choose one lens for the rest of your life, what would it be? We'll start with you, Ron. No, Ron's muted. Probably, uh, is Ron that would back? have to be the 24 to 70. It's a good versatile lens, uh, probably 2.8 version. And, uh, you know, especially for photojournalism work, you're getting up close. And uh, my, my ideal lens. Okay. Bruce. Well, um, on my Leica M6, it would be the 35 millimeter 2.8. And on my Canon, it would be the uh, 24 to 70. Okay. No, no. All right, all right, I got it. okay, perfect, okay. Uh, Jamie, <clears throat> one lens for the rest of your life. A, a 34, one, four, one, two, like a 34 prime, or sorry, 35 prime. Like a 34. <laughs> a 34, that's a special one, that's just made for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think the 35 prime is probably, if they had to take everything else away, that, that like one, two, one, four range is, mm. Okay, Sharky? You know, it's going to depend on what you shoot, right? So back in the day, I would have set a 70 to 200 to 8 because I was shooting a lot of sports, and I liked shooting a little standoffish to kind of get that, you know, be, so the subject wasn't aware that I was there kind of thing, but the, I'd have to agree with Ron. I'd, I'd say a 24 to 70 to 8 these days equivalent because, I mean, I think just being right there in the scene and, you know, as for environmental portraits and that sort of thing and just getting more – that's what you want. Okay. Evelyn? Agree. I mean, yeah, if that's <clears throat> what I had to live the rest of my life, that would give me the most versatility for sure. Yeah. 2470. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty happy with the 24 to 105. I wish there was a lower aperture variant. Like if there was a 24 to 105 f2.8, I mean, obviously that would be the dream lens in my opinion, but I will <laughs> always, I would lean, yeah, probably it would be huge. Uh, <laughs> Or a 28 to 200 f2.8, wouldn't that be the, the wonderful lens right there, the perfect lens? Um, 
actually, if we're going to go, uh, if we're going to go completely fantasy, I want a 16 to 300 F2. Okay. Can I get that please? Can mm-hmm. manufacturers and a Sherpa to go along with it? <laughs> That's right. It'll, it'll need strong its own, back. It'll need its own tripod, mobile tripod, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I would probably, you know, as a versatility guy, I would lean towards the 24 to 105 or, you know, even a 28 to 200, you know, one of those cheapo F4 to 7.8, whatever 7.1 lenses, just because I, I want the versatility more than so than anything, just because that's where, you know, again, if you're talking about needs, you know, I would rather have the versatility. If I'm going to have one lens for the rest of my life. Uh, I'll accept a little downgrade in quality for the versatility of, of lens uh, focal lengths. But well, it would it'd be interesting if you could, <laughs> uh, you probably can, you can sort your, your pictures over a month uh, according to the lens, um, the um, the uh, focal length you used, and see which one comes out the most that you've used. Like with my, I, I shoot film with my M6, and I can't put anything on there except my 35 millimeter. Just, it just doesn't work for me because that's the way I see. And it'd be interesting to see with the Canon with the zoom, if it's 35 millimeter is the most I shoot with. And then could you then just use a prime of that lens, of that number and be comfortable with it, you know, because, you know, and then you might find that you don't need to carry all these lenses because you hardly ever use it. Um, you yeah. know, and you can find that out in, in Lightroom, of course. Lightroom shows you. Nice. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. And, uh, you know, that we may have heard about this, a little known thing going on. I, I don't know if it's it's been that well uh, advertised, but there was an election in uh, the United States. And so there have been uh, reports. You're speaking of the NPPA board election? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, 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 that's okay. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that little known election. Uh, no, of course, the presidential election occurred or, you know, is still ongoing. Um, it, course, uh, per all the major news media outlets, um, Biden has been selected as the president-elect, but of course, you know, there's still votes to be counted, so we'll see how it all turns out in the end. Uh, regardless, the election happened, and, you know, some of us had various levels of involvement in the coverage of that. Uh, I think I'll probably start with you first, Evelyn, since I know you've been on the ground, sort of covering it from, you know, obviously D.C. and whatnot uh, for, for a long time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the election itself and kind of how things, not the election itself, but covering the election and kind of how it's been uh, from your perspective. And then we'll go around the group. Um, I mean, I, I went and did some like pre-election stories in Arizona and Florida and sort of got the pulse in those places. So that was a lot of time just, you know, talking to both sides. Obviously, Trump won Florida. We did see a Trump rally in Florida, um, you know, and that the sort of let you know was it expected um i think the thing in dc voting all grows fairly smoothly here i mean we are just a small place it's like 99 percent blue i mean it's just um pretty uneventful um polling you know i guess so i was here in the city on election day um and i went to the white house that night but obviously no results came out and people were you know waiting gathering but it was a small crowd and um you know, maybe a couple hundred people, and then Wednesday night, and then Thursday night, and then Friday night, I did not go um, when I realized that Pennsylvania wasn't going to announce, and then Saturday, it was the announcement, so I think it might be different, maybe somebody who covered the election in a more 
a Pennsylvania, an Arizona, Nevada, you know, North Carolina, Georgia might have gotten a different vibe, but here um, my coverage was was fairly, you know, as expected. Um, but I did see the other, the different feelings and emotions and and likes and dislikes for you know you know pro Trump, pro Biden in Arizona, obviously, and. Um, Florida. And when I was in Arizona, the story we were doing were Republicans who were voting for Biden. So obviously that that worked there. I mean, they got Mark Kelly elected. So that was interesting. To see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I know Travis or Zach was uh, jetting around different places, you know, traveling, trying to capture some of the different environments. When you were at the White House, you said there were about 100 or so people there. Was it a mix of Biden and Trump supporters or was it mostly Biden? It was like all there were one or two Trump supporters that were like mixing in the crowd and um, a couple people were being provocative and then the crowd sort of pushed them out. Um, I do think somebody got arrested that first night, but I missed it. So I don't really know what happened. Um, So, yeah, I saw like one lady with a MAGA hat and one uh, African-American dude with a MAGA hat and um, the crowd was not pleased with them, but nothing ultimately happened. I mean, they just sort of left the area. Yeah. Were you covering Washington, D.C. area politics during the transition from Obama to Trump? Um, No. Uh, I mean, I was. I was here, but not really. No, I wouldn't say I was focused. I will say, sorry, there were some Proud Boys here on Tuesday night, um, but they were at a hotel downtown and people saw them, but they didn't really mix in the crowd. Okay. Just, just to say that they were here. No, I've had you been here at the time. I was just, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sharky. No, it's Bruce. Um, oh, just Bruce. a quick question. When you, okay, you got, let's say 10 different places that you're going to go to. And obviously in Florida, you said you had a, an, the assignment was to deal with the Trump voters to Biden. How often do you go to, to places where you go, I just can't find anything different. What I mean, what do you do in that situation? I mean, because there's Trump flags and Biden's flags and everything else in every single one of these places. I know. Um, it's true. It, it's, is it tough? I mean, do you find it, did you find it very tough to pull this, the unique story out of that area? Um, yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think what was interesting, for example, in Arizona was doing the story about the Republicans for Biden. So these were like hard, real Republican stronghold people who had always voted Republican and just felt like they couldn't do it for the state of the nation and rule of law. And they were very conservative people. And um, for me, that was a real shift and there was a movement. So that was a different story. And I think, um, you know, I, I just the luck of journalism, like one day we, we found these two people on the side of a road and you have this beautiful Arizona mountainous background in the desert. And it was in a town where a lot of motorcycle people are going and biker bars. Um, so this older couple who were Republicans sat every day on the side of the road holding these Biden signs. And they're like, this is what we're doing. And they were actually Republican elected. They'd run for office, like state office before. So they were well established Republicans. And uh, this is what they were doing. So you do find these gems and they were like really interesting people. And of course that made for a great visual. Um, And you got some, you know, you got them and then you get people giving them the finger or you get people honking or supporting them. Um, Florida is just visual. I mean, we went to a gun store. We did go to the Trump rally, which was great in the villages. And I know people have seen the golf cart parades and things before, but 
it's still fun. You can make good photos and there's just a lot of craziness, but it does get repetitive. So it's not like I, my stuff was so unique or original. Um, but, you know, we pieced it all together in Florida. So I think we had a lot of diversity. Like one hand, we had the villages then we had people black, white, Hispanic, like everybody was buying guns for different reasons. And that was really fascinating to see that because everybody had their fears. And at the same time, we saw like a community march for uh, restoring voting rights to formerly convicted felons in Florida. And that was a mostly minority get out the vote campaign. So I think all the contrasts we got to see made for a different story telling. But, uh, but to your point, yeah, I think everybody is a little bit ready for Everybody was tired of hearing, seeing this. It was the same, same old, thing same old, for a yeah, long time. Yeah. And there was like 10, you know, when, when Trump was doing five, six rallies a day at the end, I mean, you know, it does start, it does sort of run together. You just, um, but I hadn't really been to a Trump rally um, like that. I've been, but not right before the election. So it was, it was exciting nonetheless for me to go and do it. So. And I also went and did a, a border wall story. So, you know, you find the different angles, you know, it's not just straight news. Um, it's more like features and interviews and you get good portraits of people, things like that. Great. Yeah. Anyone else cover any election related stuff? Ron, any, any Eagle news down there in Hawaii? You covered any election stuff down there for Eagle news? You know, um, regarding uh, Hawaii is a very, very blue state, uh, but the Trump enthusiasm here was really outrageous. Uh, so much support, so many caravans, and um, uh, from the native Hawaiian community, just it's all over the place. It was really, really nuts here. Um, I, I kind of thought he might actually win the state. It was kind of a... Kind of a surprise. That's a good Based point, Based on Rob. enthusiasm, yeah. Because the Trump enthusiasm is a lot higher than the Biden enthusiasm. The most Biden enthusiasm I saw was like at the celebrations at the White House. I was like, where did all these flags come from? Where did all these signs come from? Like, you're like hunting. You'd see occasional yard sign, Biden-Harris. But like, you're in a Trump country. It is everywhere. Like, your barn is painted. Your car is waving a flag. You know, it's it's just T-shirts everywhere. I mean, it, it's a, there's a whole lifestyle and apparel thing in Trump stores that you can really deck yourself out on. And that just doesn't exist in the Biden side. So that's the enthusiasm definitely can, yes, influence your opinion there, for sure. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Excuse me. Looks like we lost... One of our members, oh, Sharky, what happened to Sharky? All oh, right, hopefully he'll be back. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the election, you know, beyond going forward, you know, what are, you thought, what are your thoughts about, you know, the next 70 days and into the new administration? Do you have any thoughts about how things will change or moving forward? I think they're going to start cl clapping in New York again. Yeah. And it's going to, and it, it's going to spike the hospitals and uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have war again in New York, um, unfortunately, because uh, I know the nurses that I've been photographing and, and they're reporting, um, you know, they're getting, getting to the edge of, are we going to have to start picking our patients? And, uh, you know, you hear the ambulances going a little bit more. Um, so it'll be interesting if they don't, if New York doesn't behave itself, we could have some, I might have to pick up my project again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is not, which is, 
which turned out to be a great project, but it's not a great project when it is, you know, in signs of health. No. Well, I just read, read about a vaccine that was supposed to be 90% effective. And actually, I noted it because the Zoom stock dropped. So <laughs> I have to examine my portfolio. But, um, you know, from a documentation perspective of DC and politics in general, Evelyn, are you tracking anything? Or do you think you'll see any difference in, in terms of how you cover that? Or what you'll cover? I'm mute here. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't. Co I mean, I'm just not that that person. I don't really cover the Hill or the yeah. White House that much. I'm much more outside and covering people, and so I may be covering politics and things surrounding them. And I do. It's not that I never cover the Hill. I do occasionally. So I, I can't really say my job is. It's my. I don't know what role I'm going to be playing. But I think, you know, until January, it's going to be status quo or right. less access. I mean, it's hard to know with the president. What's going is he going to check out is he not going to give any press conferences i don't i don't know but yeah. um things could e i think things may really slow down in the white house for photojournalists going to cover events things like that but that's just a guess yeah. and the transition team i mean i guess that's going to be happening and that might keep people the biden transition stuff busy but I'm yeah not. and you'll probably be covering the inauguration i presume right yeah definitely i don't know where but i'll be on the somewhere i'm usually on the parade route somewhere Definitely. yeah actually i think that's is that my first the first ep time i got on this show was because of the shot i think i took at the inauguration it was like a time picture of the year i think that's yeah maybe mm -hmm. call me the first time to come on could very well be there yeah. and looking out of the limousine yeah definitely all right well maybe we'll have inauguration special you know who knows maybe we'll do these as a special thing every once in a while I don't know. We'll see. It's, it'll depend on how much I miss it. Uh, but anyways. All right. Any other thoughts on the election before we move forward? No. I'm ready to stop talking about the election. <laughs> it's just been so stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. It's over. I definitely Dude. hope that, like, as we move into whatever this next stage is, I've never, I mean, I'm sitting on the outside now for the first time of a campaign and you know, the full inaugural cycle of being on the outside from a photojournalist looking in. And I sincerely hope that we start to see a little bit more issue-based reporting. I've never been so frustrated at a time in America when we should be talking about small business owners and yes. healthcare workers, like what Bruce was saying. And you know, everyone's focused on what the latest tweet was in the last six months. And, you know, we should definitely be pointing our fingers at, at, you know, the president or his administration for the deaths that are happening. But like, we weren't talking about the ways that businesses should be reopening safely, the ways that we could start, you know, doing different things differently. We, we stopped talking about the issues and we, we, I've never seen a race that focused on the horses so much and not the actual, like the, that they were just focusing on the race and, and just the horses in the race and not the issues. And I really hope that in the next few months, like, honestly, my first thought was fantastic. You guys have called the winner. Great. Can we please have Congress start on Monday talking about the stimulus package again? Can we start talking about how, you know, there's millions of Americans that still haven't been able to get the original stimulus check to help get them through. We're not talking about unemployment, you know, exceptions. We're not talking about not just, 
eviction relief, but landlord tax relief. Like there's so many issues that are that are so pressing right now that like I could genuinely give a crap what the president was tweeting about yesterday like unless it's a americans are going to get more of a stimulus or we are actually going to start talking more about the vaccine research or you know talking about what's actually happening at the hospitals like what bruce was documenting i mean these are things that are so incredibly important for journalists to be able to stand up and say i think i really don't care what the map guy <laughs> The, the chart throb that I just learned is a word this week, you know, the guy on CNN and like where he bought his khakis was trending on Twitter on Saturday. I was like, you, I am disappointed in you, America. I should not be talking about that. Who cares where that guy got his khakis? He still has a job. Yeah, that's where you're I so right, like, Jamie. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, in terms of how journalists should approach this next stage, it would be incredible if they would, you know, if, if we could see a focus on the editorial perspective of the realities of the situation that I don't care who is coming into office in the next year is going to be facing, that bully for them, they all have a job, now they need to help everybody else who doesn't. That, that would be my wish for the coverage moving forward. Well, we've been living in this sort of unprecedented time where the president sucks the air out of every other subject or distracts from it or deflects from it by some outrageous statement that the media has spent and so much time covering. And maybe that's the question yeah. that we need to ask now. Like, let's rethink this. We focused on every tweet, every outrageous thing, but maybe, you know, instead of focusing on, um, let's use like Melania, for example, the first lady's jacket that she wore when she went to visit a detention center about children separated from their parents, like let's focus more on that issue and not the outrageous thing that's distracting us. And maybe that's our a call for all journalists to say, hey, we need to get back. We are going into a major, we haven't even felt the beginning of this, the economic effects of the coronavirus. And even if the vaccine is on its way, we are people are suffering financially yeah. so you know there's a lot of work for us to do and let's move on now one thing that i wonder about is what happens so you cover the biden administration but there's probably so much stuff that's going to come out about what happened during the trump administration that we don't even know about yet and covering that disaster as it unfolds how does that all get covered yeah good point i mean i'm sure there's going to be there could be, this, he could go, this president could be, go to jail, perhaps, who knows. Um, but, but at the but, same time, what, and this is why, I mean, I, I'll tell you guys, like I had a funny conversation with my sister, who's incredibly political, and she made some comment a couple of weeks ago about like, well, what do you think is going to happen with this? And what do you think about this? And I was like, sure, I genuinely don't care. And she's like, how could you say that? And I was like, I don't care because I live in a state where, we're watching, you know, beloved restaurants and small businesses and like tourist locations. And I mean, at the time we were having wildfires, a million acres of wildfires were burning and it was the bottom of the page after you scrolled until Twitter says you've reached the end of coverage. Like, I kind of don't care, you know, let the lawyers, like, if you want to have it be on the court beat, sure. If anyone's going to sue a politician in the next year, fine, <laughs> put it on the, 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 you know, 
the pages that go into local news or national news, but put it behind the fact that Americans are suffering right now. And it, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the fact that the poverty, the poverty limit, like the poverty growth rate has increased for the first time in, I think, above 53% for the first time in decades. Like we, we are going to have systemic generational poor in this country like we haven't seen. And, you know, I love it when people are like, well, we went through a recession, you know, 10 years, 12 years ago. Like, no, that is not, this is not the same. This is not going to be the same. And we are ignoring that to talk about essentially the Kardashians. And did you see what she wore yesterday? Did you see what he said? I don't wonder what he meant by this. I wonder what she meant by that. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, there are so many more important things to be focusing on right now. And the fact that, I mean, I, I, in terms of all politicians, you know what I'd love? I, instead of wondering if like one individual is going to go to jail, I wonder how any one of those people who are in office can live with themselves knowing the fact that oh, they sat on partisan lines and refused four weeks before the election to pass a stimulus bill that would help the rest of the country as we all went to the polls. And there wasn't rioting in the streets because of that. Like that should have been the thing that, you know, was at the top of their list. But instead, everyone's like, I can't believe that the, the president put 14 tweets in all caps in one hour. Like he does that all the time. Well, just just think, just think New York City shut down 700 miles of subway track at one o'clock in the morning till five in order to remove the, the homeless out of the subway system. Wow. If they hadn't have done that, the sit the the homeless would have literally taken over the subway wow they 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 i know they did it because they had to clean the subway every night no they were they're at trains full of homeless people because there was no any place to go no other place and nobody was nobody was talking about it. our wonderful mayor nobody was talking about it and our city is just bleeding like you wouldn't believe i mean just bleeding you know, they're losing $10 million a day just on the, just on the subway. And nobody's talking about that. How are you going to bring that subway back? Uh, so yes, it, there's an awful lot of stories to be told. Yeah. Um, and they got to get some, get some newspapers back so we can put our, our stories on the paper or someplace. Or... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's a great way to end it and uh, go to our next topic, which is, of course, uh, what are the Kardashians wearing? Uh, have you seen <laughs> the latest outfit? No, of course. Did you know that one of them was 40 years old? What? Oh, yes. my God. News at 11. Yes. Let's go and talk about that for 15 to 20 minutes. No, our, our final topic for this week's show and our final topic, you know, in total is, is a look at the future. You know, of course, over the past 20 years or so, our industry has changed dramatically, you know, whether you're in photojournalism or video you know, making, or, you know, if you're a portrait photographer, wedding photographer, whatever, whatever you do with a camera and a lens, you know, over the past 20 years, okay, things have really changed as we've moved from film to digital to, you know, dial up internet to broadband internet to phones with no camera to phones with 5G and six cameras, you know, things have really changed over the last 20 years. So I want to throw it out to you and let's go around the lens one last time and talk about where we think the industry will be in 20 years from now. Uh, so why don't we start with you, Jamie? Oh, 
such a hard question. How many years? You need more time? 20, 20 years. years. 20, 20 years. 20 years from now. Again, think about, again, where are you going to be 20 years from now? Where, where is the industry going to be 20 years from now? What kind of insights, future, you know, future project? Well, my sister would be incredibly disappointed if I didn't say that we should all be able to have that like built-in camera in your eye. Oh, of course. <laughs> By then, because <laughs> she laments that constantly, um, as I'm sure all, all documentarians do. But, um, well, how about I say what I hope is going to happen? Because sure. I'm not a very good prognosticator. I'm sure right. that's my business partner. He's much better at predicting those kind of things. Definitely. Um, I think I think we're probably going to see a lot more nonprofit-based news outlets, similar to an NPR model, just because, mm. for fair or foul, um, I think that you know our commercialized, very stagnant, only owned by three different you know monolithic organization news sources are are starting to get disrupted by independent news organizations. Um, that if we can move into a more diverse nonprofit news network, I think that would be really interesting. I think we're seeing some of those things starting with things like Report for America, um, which is you know a nonprofit supported journalism program that puts fu nonprofit funded journalists into newsrooms around the country. Um, I'd really love to see a backlash and a growth of local news organizations again um you know we almost lost our paper this year our like local bend bulletin which is like a just a wonderful publication like they're actually a really incredible local news source and and thankfully they were saved but i you know i was surprised that a nonprofit or publicly supported model wasn't introduced so I'd, I'd love it if that was something that was embraced a little bit more i mean i hope that in 20 years from now we see a lot more diversity in the field not just, you know, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, but, you know, seeing more voices from locations that are being covered by people in that location. Um, I think it's, it's, it's happening a lot with the coronavirus, and it would be nice if that actually stayed that way, if we were able to see, you know, African reporters covering <coughs> African issues, and, you know, Latin American photographers covering Latin America and being supported by an international news outlet. Uh, that would be a really great thing to see in the future. All right. Uh, how about you, Sharky? Where do you see ourselves in 20 years? I think in 20 years, what you're going to see is uh, artificial intelligence, also known as AI, will put the pieces together based on the data it sees and find stories that might otherwise go unreported. You know what I'm saying? It'll, it'll find the corruption faster. It'll find, it's just going to put all that together, find the stories, and who knows, maybe even assign it out to whatever robots out there shooting in 20 years. <laughs> just send a drone out to go shoot an event. Just go send a drone. I mean, I'm serious. Like, in 20 years from now, what's going to happen, right? AI yeah. is going to be huge. And it, it, AI will find the stories that you're uh you're just not going to usually find a human probably won't find mm -hmm. and so i think that's going to change journalism and then uh visual journalism is going to have to you know meet the challenges of getting to those things sooner and 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 finding the shots and 
whatever other kind of challenges legally there are in 20 years, who knows what's gonna, gonna change rights-wise and such. It might be a whole different world. Yeah, absolutely, that's, that's a good point. We've seen AI be a huge factor in phone photography and whatnot in terms of you know night mode and all these other features. So yeah, absolutely, definitely see that expanding. I mean, we're already seeing AI writing stories so when it wouldn't surprise me if more creative stories and whatnot are, are generated by AI. How about you, Ron? 20 years from now, what do you, where do you see yourself and where do you see this industry? Well, let's talk about gear for a second. Since Sharky got the AI portion of it, let's talk about gear. We won't have cameras anymore. Everything will be a cell phone. Okay. I hate you, Ron. I think, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I think it's a combination. I think the AI is going to write the stories. We, like we said, they do that already. And then um, the, on, on the ground, uh, field reporters are going to be carrying around cell phones. Yeah. I mean, it's happening today. Why wouldn't it happen 20 years from now, right? Or be more prevalent. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you'll ever get rid of the, the tried and true camera with interchangeable lenses. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where cell phones come in 20 years. They're already folding. So who knows? Interchangeable cell phone lenses. That's, that's the future right there. Uh, how about you, Bruce? Any, any thoughts on 20 years from now? Well, uh, one hope is that I live another 20 years so I can continue to um, shoot my black and white film because I think, I think the artist uh, will come back a little bit stronger and hopefully the economy will allow that. Uh, that fine art will come in um, that photography kind of take where painting is and, and be, a, be an art form. But I do think that things are going to be covered worldwide from drones and stuff like that news-wise. But I, but I think people will go back and search for those old processes to, um, you know, just because seeing it on the phone is, to me, is not hanging on the wall. It's not, you know, that type of thing. So hopefully... Hopefully the fine art world will stick around with us. Yeah, absolutely. Evelyn, where do you see the world in 20 years, visual and image journalism world? And you're muted. Okay, I think even more than now, everything will be recorded. Everyone yeah. will be shooting. For all we know, we blink our eyes and we are taking a picture and or it's the camera. So, you know, I don't know what our role is going to be, but I think like Bruce was saying, there's always going to be a role for, you know, the artist, the person that's not just capturing something, but doing it in a way, a compelling visual way. So mm -hmm. I think there will be, there'll be a space for that, for storytellers in that medium. But, you know, the daily news and going out and shooting or covering even events like these celebrations, I think we're going to see a different landscape. Like, I don't know what the role of the photo, if there's going to be a role for a photojournalist. Yeah, I mean, how do you compete with a million cameras all live streaming 16K footage of everything going on, you know, at all given times? It's like people get the information, they get out, they move on to the next thing, you know, and that's probably going to exacerbate, you know, as internet speeds get faster and faster. And we're at 5G now, we'll be at what, 25G or something like that, 6G, 7G? So, so, so the next, so the next celebra celebration will be everybody holding their cameras up, videotaping the celebration. <laughs> so, 
You know, probably you'll probably just take all the camera streams and turn it into a 3D room that you can just rotate around and choose whatever angle you want. You know. Yeah. Well, I think in 20 years we'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Around the Lens as a platform, and we'll be uh, all all the all of you will be having your own shows and you're making six figure salaries, uh, creating content for my platform. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I think you know. I think you're going to see. I agree. Propagation of cell phones, the propagation of just general media infrastructure everywhere all the time inescapable much as we are now you can't kind of not be uh, out there on the internet you can't not be prevalent you know you, an image survives forever online it's going to be just exasperated um that far into the future i think cameras are only going to get better with uh, cell phones and you're going to see a continued marginalization of the dedicated you know still photographer um, but I think those who, you know, kind of like just now, those who do survive will be that much more like there'll be a much greater appreciation for that type of content. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, we've always kind of talked about, you know, sort of we've always been negative on the show about the future of photojournalism and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, for for as negative as, as we can be about it, it's still good. It still goes on. It still persists. It's still something people continue to do. And so I think no matter what, no matter how good technology gets in our cell phones, no matter how, to, how smart the AI gets, I think you're going to still have dedicated people with brains who are going to, you know, have to carry around a camera with lenses and, and capture content. And no matter how difficult it is or perceptually difficult it is to make a living doing that. It's just, there's a human desire to want to capture and put that lens in front of your face and you know, whatnot. And so I don't think that'll ever go away no matter what, you know, there'll be people who do it and it'll just get better and better over time. And we'll all be shooting with our 200 megapixel cameras that can shoot 32 K video. So that'll be just the norm. But uh, I'm hopeful for all that being said, I'm hopeful for, uh, us as purveyors of this type of content in the industry. And, you know, again, as long as I can pick up a camera, I will. And so I'm sure many, all of you will as well, but all right, well, I'm going to end it there on this last show of around the lens. Uh, I do want to oh. shout out a few people. Yeah. Yes. I just want to say on behalf of everybody who's participated with you and, you know, it is a labor of love to do this. And the fact that you brought on amazing people like Evelyn and Travis to diversify the group and Ron and all these other people that, you know, it's, it's always been a lot of fun. I, I especially love whenever, you know, you would get like someone like Michelle McLaughlin and I and oh, yeah. have like a, a Christmas and wine episode or whatever, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it was, it was really wonderful of you to do this for the industry. And it's always great, no matter how many podcasts there are. And even if only, 20 people listened in a week, maybe the next week more would at least those 20 people got something out of it because of your blood, sweat and tears. So thanks for doing this, even from all the way around the world after you got deployed to a different yeah. place. So. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for that, Jamie. I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. And, and moving did not help the situation <laughs> at all. Uh, maybe my tone will change when I get back to the States and I, I can get on the same page as everybody else, or at least the same general time zone. But yeah. Uh, Having to shift uh, whatnot and work that in with work and everything else uh, was not easy. But I do I do appreciate that, Jamie. And yeah, like, you know, even when I did the show and there was nobody listening to it or watching it, just 
having you all together and getting us all together in a room was nice. And it was like a catharsis and a little bit of therapy, if you will, for us in our industry. And so again, I see there being a future for that in the Around the Lens platform, perhaps uh, in the future. But for me personally, it's, yeah, it's a blood, sweat and tears commitment. And I've been doing it five years, pretty much nonstop straight. So I need to take a break from all that. So we'll see, maybe, maybe in a year from now, uh, perhaps there'll be another way to us for all to get together in a similar fashion. But I did want to highlight a few people who had nice comments to say. Uh, Timothy Floyd, you know, he was, uh, you know, saying, you know, it'll be quite a challenge to produce something like that. Um, but you did a great job. And I look forward to the next endeavor. Thank you, Timothy. Uh, David Goldman said, good luck with your new endeavor. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, David Sutherland, my professor from Syracuse University. Uh, said, wow, 250 episodes, pretty amazing. Uh, may your next endeavors have long lives as well. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Hannah Kozak, whose book, um, definitely you should all check out. You can see the link in the show notes. He threw the last punch too hard. We've had her on the show a few times. Um, you know, she said, uh, Dave, thank you for your passion for photography. I'd like to say after 250 episodes, it's time. for Well-deserved break. Yes, I agree. Uh, you earned it. Thank you to Travis and everyone involved in Around the Lens. You certainly helped launch my book. He threw the last punch during the challenging news cycle. So thank you all for those kind comments. I truly appreciate it. Um, so one last time, is there anyone, uh, let's go around here, the lens and uh, uh, Sharky, where can people find out more about you and your work? And uh, check out the Petapixel Photography Podcast in whatever you listen to podcasts in. So. Definitely. Uh, Bruce? Uh, Bruce Byers Photography and BruceSpires.com and come check out the book and buy a book, which is going to, part of the proceeds are going to go to a charity for COVID patients through the nurses. So um, BruceSpires.com. Thank you. Evelyn? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at EvelynPix, E-V-E-L-Y-N-P-I-X. And um, I hope to be back on the air sometime in the near future with Dave, so look out for that. And um, yeah, Bruce, I'm excited to see your book. Good luck with that. That's exciting. Yeah, we already have 1,500 copies bought. Wow. Yeah, it's great. You should go on the new podcast Dave's going to do about books, photo books. That's right. There you go. That's right. Uh, Jamie? Okay, uh, you can find me at MomentoWorkshops.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. You can individually find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, oh, and we're on Instagram, of course. So I look forward to seeing all of you virtually at Momento Workshops programs and then in person next year. That's right. And hopefully on other podcasts like this. Indeed. We'll have to go get together for the uh, Around the Lens Convention next year, all in oh. person. No, I'm just kidding. And I'll give a shout out. I was just interviewed for the Imagely, uh, which is a WordPress photographer's platform. And I was just interviewed for their Pivot and Shift series, which if you haven't checked it out, it's a really great podcast on the ways that photographers are handling COVID and different ways that you can pivot and shift. And one of the most recent ones was with a lawyer who was telling people about what to think about with their contracts. And I highly recommend that episode. It's very enlightening. Great. Absolutely. What's Thank it you. called again? Pivot and it's, Shift? Um, pivot and Shift. If you go to YouTube, it's on there. And the, the company that hosts it is Imagely. So Image L-Y. Cool. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Uh, Ron, you got anything for us before we sign off? Uh, eaglenews.ph. 
uh, for all my news content. And then uh, Instagram will be Ron Photo Hawaii for some uh, sunset pictures and stuff like that. Great, great. All right. Well, again, you know, uh, while this is the last episode of this iteration of the show, you know, you can always go to aroundthelens.com and find out what we're doing there and stay tuned for all the great stuff that we're going to be pushing out uh, soon and into the future. You know, beyond obviously the shows I talked about, I still plan to do some of the original content I was doing, you know, some of the more scripted uh, thoughts and conversations and things like that. You know, there's going to be a lot of experimentation in the platform going on now and into the future as I free up uh, the time that I'm not going to be spending doing this uh, will be time spent experimenting and finding maybe different avenues and different um, shows that will hopefully, you know, garner an audience uh, that would be larger. But, you know, in the end, um, this has been a wonderful experience. I've truly enjoyed doing it and networking with everyone and meeting so many wonderful people. We've had hundreds of guests on this show over the last five years, and you've all been such a great benefit to me in terms of just being able to meet. And I know many of you and, and many of uh, people who have enjoyed the show have gotten great benefit out of hearing your thoughts, expressions, views, and ideas about all the things that relate to what we do. Uh, so let's continue that in other forms and factors into the future. And again, I think visual journalism is a truly wonderful and magnificent industry. I love being a part of it and I will continue to be a part of it for as long as I can. So. Uh, let's continue the conversation online again in other methods and means. And I look forward to again talking with all of you into the future. So that's it for me, David J. Murphy from Around the Lens. Like I said, go to aroundthelens.com. And for the last time, we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com.